Well, Merry Christmas, everybody. Merry Christmas. It's something that we say over and over again this time of year, and rightly so. It is something that we ought to say. And that in this culture, in this day and age, we need to say more frequently, with a greater confidence, and louder than ever before, Merry Christmas. Because in the word Christmas is the word Christ. And so when we say in this world, Merry Christmas, we need to ask of the world and and prompt the world to begin to ask the question of us, why do you say that? Why do we in this season say Merry Christmas? Because we often say things that we don't think about. We often do things that we really haven't thought through. You know, in life, we have a tendency to sort of just go through the motions. And Christmas time is one of those times where we just kind of go through the motions and we make it about all sorts of things and fun things, not necessarily bad things. But we can just kind of go through the motions and let it be another excuse for a party. And yet we say, Merry Christmas. Why do we say it? A friend of mine has a five-year-old little boy. He's in kindergarten. The other day she was giving him a ride home from school and one of his classmates was in the car with him and they were having a discussion in the back seat. And this mom overheard the discussion and she relayed it to me just uh, this morning, actually. And at school in their class that day, they had just learned about Hanukkah. And so one of the boys, we'll call him Joey, said to his friend, we'll call him Max. Joey said, Max, do you celebrate Christmas or Hanukkah? And Max replied and said, I celebrate Christmas, but I don't believe in God. And Joey said, but it's Jesus's birthday and Jesus is God. And Max said, I know, but I don't believe in God. And Joey asked, why would you have a birthday party for someone that doesn't exist? (laughs) Max replied and said, I don't know. I just do the other Christmas stuff. And Joey said, bummer. (laughs) The wisdom of five-year-olds. And yet this five-year-old Max, who didn't believe in God, exemplifies so many people in our culture today. I don't know. I just do the other Christmas stuff. I don't know. Haven't really thought about it, but there's other stuff that we could think about at Christmas time. I just do the other Christmas stuff. And I understand that. You know what? I love the other Christmas stuff. I really do. I love giving presents. Even more, I love getting presents. I love the trees and the lights and the decorations and the cookies and the food and the people getting together and the song, the celebration. I love the other Christmas stuff. I've got no problem with that. But what every man, woman, and child begins to realize sooner or later 
is that if all that we have is the other Christmas stuff, then it really is a bummer. Because anybody who's ever experienced the after Christmas blues will tell you that the other stuff, as fun as it is, as cool as it is, that other stuff never satisfies. It always leaves you wanting. No matter what you get for Christmas, no matter what you're able to provide for your family, no matter how big the party, no matter how many friends are there, there's always something in the human heart that wonders, is there more? Why do we really say Merry Christmas? If all that we have is the other stuff, then it is a bummer because it never satisfies and it never lasts. All those gifts, they break sooner or later. I'm going to give my kids a ton of junk tomorrow and I'm going to get some junk and it's all going to break. It's all going to rust. It's all eventually going to burn. It doesn't satisfy. It doesn't last. And it's a bummer because it lacks real meaning. You see, we go through the motions of all these holidays that we have on our calendars. Christmas perhaps being the biggest. And if we just go through the motions, if it's just about the other stuff, then it lacks real meaning. And what the human heart longs for is real meaning. We're all looking for something that satisfies, something that will last, something that outdoes time. And we're all looking for something with meaning. We just sang about the shepherds that were out in the field. And, and we take that song and the substance of it from the Christmas account in the Gospel of Luke, chapter 2. It says in verse 8, In that region there are some shepherds staying out in the fields and keeping watch over their flock by night. And an angel of the Lord suddenly stood before them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them. And they were terribly frightened. And the angel said to them, do not be afraid. For behold, I bring you good news of great joy, which shall be for all the people. For today in the city of David, there has been born for you a Savior who is Christ the Lord. The angel said, this will be a sign for you. You'll find a baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. And suddenly there appeared with the angel a multitude of the heavenly hosts, praising God and saying, glory to God in the highest. And on earth, peace among men with whom he is pleased. There we have the historical account of what took place that night, that first Christmas. And one of the things that strikes me is that the angels were rejoicing. The angels were excited. You could sense the excitement in the narrative as they appeared to the shepherds to make this great announcement that God had invaded human history and had draped himself in humanity. And then when all of them joined together in a chorus and began to sing, glory to God in the highest... The angels 
were rejoicing. The angels themselves were excited. Now, do you know how much it takes to get an angel excited? Do you know what angels have seen? They've seen all of human history. They've seen all the cool stuff. They saw creation. They saw the beginning of humanity. They saw the dinosaurs. They saw evil Knievel try to jump the Grand Canyon or whatever he did. They've seen all the cool stuff. But this trumped them all. Here we have the angels truly excited and singing together glory to God in the highest because there was a savior that was given to humanity that night who was Christ the Lord. And there's never been another savior since him. He is the savior of the world. And so the angels announced and said, glory to God in the highest and peace among men with whom he is pleased. And there are two things we ask about. How can we know peace? We live in the bloodiest century the world has ever known. We've seen more of wars, more of genocide, more of troubles and tumults than any other people have ever seen. We're sending more troops overseas as we speak. Wars are escalating on several fronts. The world economy is collapsing. The family unit is in greater danger in our nation than it ever has been in history. And so when the angels say, peace among men, men and women have to ask, how can we know peace? in a world so torn, in a place so violent, where so much has gone wrong, how can we know peace? And the angel said, peace among men with whom he is pleased. And there's one of those problems. There's why the heart of men and women are lacking peace because somewhere inside of us, we all sense that God may not be pleased with us. The reason that we sense that is because we know and we understand at some level that we've rebelled against God as a unit, as mankind, that we've forsaken God and have forsaken his ways. And as much as we try to blame God for the lack of peace in the world and the difficulties and the brokenness that we see, at some level we understand that God is not to blame, we are to blame. And therefore, we lack peace. And we wonder if we're to blame, if we've really rebelled against God and sinned, how can God be pleased with us? And that haunts us. Because too often, death is near us. One of my dearest friends is having his brain overtaken with a cancerous growth right now that they can't stop. He's got days. My five-year-old daughter has stage three cancer. No matter how secure we would lead ourselves to believe we are, death is 
always near us. And that leaves us with no peace because we sense that there is a God who is just and right and we've sinned against him and he's in charge of eternity. And as bleak as that picture sounds and seems, it is into that very context that the angels arrive and begin to sing into the midst of broken humanity and announce that they brought good news of great joy because a savior came. And the question of the heart of humanity, how can I know peace? And what can I do when I fear that God may not be pleased with me? All of that is answered in the coming and the person and the work of Jesus Christ, whom we celebrate tonight. It was because of humanity's very brokenness and the darkness of our cultures throughout time that God draped himself in humanity in the person of Christ, invaded human history, and came to save us. He came to pay our price on the cross, to deal with our sins. He lived the perfect life that we could never hope to live. He died a death in our place and he rose again to give us life. All of this began on that first Christmas Eve. And so humanity, when they come to Jesus, when they come to the manger, when they stop going through the motions and just saying Merry Christmas, when they start to ask, why is it Mary? And why is it Christ Moss? When they come to the manger as the shepherds would and they behold the babe who would become the man who would hang on the cross, die in our place and rise again. Then humanity, as we repent of our sins and come to him, we can know peace. In the midst of brokenness, in the midst of sickness, in the midst of wars and tumult, we can know peace. And because of what Christ did on the cross for us, we can settle the question once and for all, is God mad at me or is God pleased with me? Because what Jesus did in his humanity is please God the Father. And what we do by repenting of our sins is we become identified before God the Father with the person of Jesus Christ and therefore God would say, I am pleased with you. The greatest gift ever given is peace in the heart of man and a removal of the fear of death by knowing that the sin question, the failure issue has been dealt with and that God is now pleased with us because of what Jesus did. Some of you are here tonight and that's a reality in your life. You've repented of your sins. You've come before God in humility and you say, God, I'm wrong. I know I'm wrong. And I'm beginning to understand that you're right. And Jesus, I, I don't understand everything about this, but I believe that you are the savior of the world, just like the angel said. I think they got it right. 
And I believe that you died on the cross for my sins and that you rose from the dead and conquered sin, death, and the devil and that you're here offering me new life tonight and eternal life. Some of you have already done that and you know what Merry Christmas means. Some of you have been going through the motions of life and it's left you without peace, without a knowledge of God's attitude toward you. The greatest thing that anybody could ever do on this Christmas Eve for you is to tell you to repent of your sins. And now you get uncomfortable because you're like, wait a minute. My family dragged me here. My friends dragged me here. And now this freaky guy is telling me to repent. I'm uncomfortable. Hey, you know what? I don't know that Jesus was comfortable when they laid him in a manger. Manger is another word for a feeding trough. I don't know that he was comfortable when they drove the nails through his wrists and through his feet. I don't know if he was comfortable when his back that was left quivering ribbons of flesh because of the scourging he received was pressed upon that cross. I don't think comfort is the issue. I think peace and eternity are the issue and they're only settled in Jesus Christ. And he became uncomfortable that we might have the final knowledge that we are forgiven. But you see, it's like any other gift, dude, you got to unwrap it. Don't leave this one under the tree. You got to grab it and you got to unwrap it. And that means that uncomfortable thing of admitting that you're a sinner, that you've rebelled against God's standards and asking him to forgive you. And that means the most wonderful thing of peace that surpasses comprehension and a brand new beginning. Why do we say Merry Christmas? Because there is good news of a great joy that we have a Savior. And as wrong as the world seems, the Bible tells us that he will right every wrong one day that he's coming again to judge the earth and to rule and that he will right every wrong. Why do we say Merry Christmas? Because Christ the Lord was born and Christ the Lord lives and he lives to offer you life tonight. It could be more than a Merry Christmas. This could be the best Christmas of your life if you stop going through the motions and get real with God tonight. Those of you that have never done that, I, I can't leave without giving you the opportunity to experience that satisfaction and the glory and the joy of God. So I'm gonna lead you in a prayer and you don't have to say it out loud. You can say it in your heart, but you gotta mean it. God looks upon the heart. You think the angels have seen some stuff? God really sees some stuff. You gotta mean it. And you'll be saved by the Savior himself. Pray with me. God, we confess that we're less than perfect and it's even worse than that. We're actually outright wrong and we're sinners. And though we don't necessarily get the whole picture tonight, we're beginning to see that you're a Savior. The angel said it. We believe it. You're the Savior of the world. Thank you, God that you sent your son to drape himself in humanity and to die for humanity and to offer us new life. And so right now, God, whatever it means, 
I repent of my sins. I'm going to turn away from them. I want to turn toward you. I don't even know how to fully do that. But I want to get right with you. And so I'm turning away right now in my heart from those things. I'm turning toward you and I'm asking you, God, to forgive me. I want this new life. I want this peace. I've never had that peace. It's always been elusive. I want to know that, God, you're pleased with me. Not because I'm so great, but because you're so great. Not because of things I've done, but Jesus, what you've done. And I want to experience that newness of life and eternal life. And so God, forgive me. On this Christmas Eve, forgive me of my sins, God, and give me brand new life. I ask it in Jesus' name. The Bible says that anytime anybody repents of their sins and turns to the Lord, that the angels, like they did that Christmas, they rejoice, and it's way louder than this. say Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas, everybody. Let's worship the same Jesus that the angels sang about that night. Let's stand to our feet and worship.